Well, good morning. It's good to see every one of you here today. Uh, we got to get a little more excited about that. Good morning. Good to see you. Just want to head and let y'all know that I got in the fight with the hand soap and it won. Uh, got me. That's some powerful hand soap we have. But anyway, talking about cleansing, what a better way to start. I want to encourage you that after we go through this message today that you go home and you read this text again. I'd sent out my email. If you're not on my uh, weekly newsletter, I pray that you let us know so you can get on it uh, to uh, see where we're going and what's going on in the church as well as uh, the messages that we're preparing. And I had sent out that I'd ask everybody to review Hebrews chapter 9. Now that being said, I pray that when you go home that you review it again. For four years, or going on five this year, you have heard me continuously say to put your faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. There is no other work, there is no other place greater than Jesus Christ. We have learned, going through Hebrews all the way up, that Christ is superior to the angels. He is superior to the prophets. He is superior to all. And that he is the superior high priest in the order of Melchizedek, where his priesthood is eternal. And as the writer of Hebrews was encouraging this Hebrew group of believers who were struggling, and they were standing on their faith and having a hard time and hearing those that are persecuting them, that are trying to encourage them to go back to Judaism, he would encourage them to stand firm. And in Hebrews chapter 9, I love the climax of this chapter where you will see what they will see, what he wrote to them about the person and work of Jesus Christ and how everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. This is my desire and my prayer. That when you read this and hear this this morning, it clicks. I have had so many people tell me, what does the Old Testament matter? It's the Word of God. See where we've come from and see where we are. That God in His almighty grace gave us what we did not deserve. And that is a sacrifice with His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to divide this sermon up in two parts. You will see this in the verses. The person of Christ and the work of Christ. What I've been saying for the past almost five years, you will see today. Please stand with us as we read Hebrews chapter 9, 1-11. Now, the first covenant had regulations of a divine worship and earthly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the one in which were the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle which is called the holy of holies. Having a golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold. In which was a golden jar holding the manna, Aaron's rod which budded, and the tables of the covenant. And above it were cherubim of glory. Overshadowing the, overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things we cannot speak of in detail. 
Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins and for the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. According to both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which we cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. But... When Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. And that is to say, not of this creation. You may be seated. You see, the Bible tells us in Exodus that Moses was given specific directions on the tabernacle. Look what he says in verses 1 and 2. This was the earthly tabernacle. Let me make something very clear that is not the temple. This is the tabernacle. This is a tent which had an outer court 150 foot long, 75 foot wide. Now I want to bring this up because this is very important to the text. You see, the way it was divided up, if you will, there was an outer tabernacle. He says the outer one. In the outer tabernacle, you would find three things. Number one, a gate, which was the eastern gate, which was 30 foot wide. To meet with God, you must go through the gate. Now this is where it's beautiful. That gate was a picture of Jesus Christ. Because only enter through the narrow gate. John would say in John 14, he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am there, you may be also. Thomas said to him, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Understand this. The only way to meet to God, meet God, is you must go through the gate. There is no other way. That is the perfect picture of Jesus where only the Jews could enter into the gate. But what you will find is when you entered into the gate, two pieces of furniture that are very important. First of all, you would find the brazen altar. The brazen altar is where the sacrifice would be performed. You see, it would be a table with four horns on each corner that they would tie the animal up and they would kill it. Because sin had to be paid with what? Blood. And as they would tie the animal up and they would sacrifice the animal, that's where the sacrifice was made. Let me tell you something about the brazen altar. That is a pre-picture, perfect picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the sacrifice had to be paid by blood. Now what's also very interesting is, listen to this. When you would go into the outer court... And you would see the first piece of furniture would be the altar where the sacrifice was made. You would see a brass lover. You know what a brass lover is? It's what you wash in. The priest would continually 
wash themselves. They would wash their feet. They would prepare continually for the sacrifices that were being made. Let me tell you something, people. Not only is Jesus the only way, not only is the cross where sacrifice has been made, but I want you to look at the picture of the lover of Jesus Christ. Because not only does He remove the sins by His sacrifice, He washes you clean. The earthly work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Did He tell you that I am the only way? I want you to listen to me, people, please. This gets me excited, and I hope it clicks with you. There is no other way to the Father. All paths do not lead to God and to heaven. There is only one path, and Jesus Christ has paved it. And as he built this, I want you to think about this. Now, here this outer court has been made. It's 150 foot long. It is 75 foot wide. and has a 30 foot eastern gate. Okay, now again, they will go through it to meet with God. Then they have to come to the table where the sacrifice is made. Then you see the lava where you are washed, the ceremonial cleanliness. But it is outside the tabernacle. Listen to me. It's outside. Jesus' earthly ministry. Now the tabernacle itself is a very interesting little rectangle here. See, you have a 15 by 15 by 30 section which is called the holy place. Only priests can enter. Then you have the 15 by 15 by 15 section, which is called the holy holies. Only high priest can enter. And each step through this tabernacle is a walk to the presence of God. But yet it was limited. You see what I'm saying? It was limited. So what we see in the first part of these verses, this is beautiful. Look, the tabernacle, the tent, for there was prepared the outer one, the outer court where the brazen altar was and the lava, in which there was a lampstand and table and sacred bed. This is called, or sacred bread, this is called the holy place. Now the priest would go in to this section that only they could go in. Not everybody, just the priest. It was called the holy place, the first section of tabernacle. And what you would see would be a lampstand and a table of bread. Now, what is this table of bread? You see, what it was called was showbread. And this showbread here was 12 loaves. It would be replaced every single Sabbath. It was consumed by the priest. But that table of showbread was a representation of the sustenance of God. Because God provided them man in the wilderness. Remember? Let me tell, tell you what that table means in the picture of Jesus. He is your great sustainer and he's sustenance, sustenance enough. He sustains. You see what I'm saying? The Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And the bread of life is not a bread that you will continually be hungry or be consumed, but you have consumed because of the blood and price paid. You have placed your faith and trust in him and Jesus is always enough. Please remember this. But you will see as you go into the holy place, listen to me, as you go into the holy place, this is beautiful. Not only do you see the showbread, you see the lamp. The lampstand shows that Christ is our perfect illumination. Now listen to me. What do you mean by that, Chad? Christ is the light of the world? No, Christ is out of the world. In the outer court, 
where he paid his earthly ministry. Now the holy place is where he's doing his heavenly ministry. What do you mean? Because of the price that was paid on the cross and Jesus Christ, who has cleansed us from all sin, is now in the presence of God at the right hand making intercession for believers. Do you understand what that means? That not only is he enough to sustain us, he also, listen, this is so beautiful, he also illuminates us. Why? Because through his Holy Spirit, when Jesus left this earth, he gave us a comforter that will guide us, that will help us discern, and he is the illumination that every one of us need. Amen? He's the illumination. He lights our path. He lets us know and discern through his holy word. He is with us and He will never forsake us. Let me tell you something, and this should give you encouragement. If you are born again, believer in Jesus Christ, the light of Christ in you is enough to sustain you. It's enough. I tell people this all the time. I don't know what I could do without Christ. I can't do anything because I know in my own self I will fail. And so will you. But Jesus Christ is enough to sustain us and He'll keep us until the day that we leave this earth. And I want to tell you something. There is no, oh, I can't, there is no greater peace than knowing that you laid your head down tonight that you're in the center of Christ's palm. That's peace, my brothers and sisters. That's peace. Because come what may, I'm a child of the King. There's a song that it says, I'm so blessed become my favorite song. Been listening to it all week. Acapella version. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm going to tell you, on my good days, I am blessed. On my bad days, I am blessed. Why? Because Christ is enough. So many times we spend our lives grumbling and complaining and thinking, why is the world the way it is? Why does life have to be this way? But we serve Christ who paid that price who is greater than the world. That should give you encouragement, people. You know, I was told the other day that now it's made big news that Russia's got a hand on us nuclear-wise. Okay. I've been told about primaries. I've been told about crimes. I've been told about everything. I love these little texts, nothing personal toward anybody, but look. My focus is on Jesus Christ. The chips will fall where they may. It's in his hands. Because if Christ can conquer sin and he can make me whole, do I not think he can't take care of everything else? What do you believe? The work in heaven that he gives also Look what it says. Behind the second veil of the tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense, as the incense would be lit and the smoke and fragrance would go up, and it was a very specific gum and resin that you had to use to light. There were specific rules to everything. The prayers, the intercession going up to the Father. Jesus Christ is our great intercessor. You hear me? You see, the problem with the priestly ministry, listen, is it was limited. He interceded for the people. And he did it once a year in Yom Kippur. But let me tell you something, because Jesus Christ was a perfect sacrifice, 
not only is he continually sustaining us, he's continually illuminating us. He continually makes intercession for us. There's nothing greater, my brothers and sisters. Listen. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar holding the manna and Aaron's rod, which budded, and the tables of the covenant. I want you to think about this in the Holy of Holies. You find this Ark of the Covenant. Now, I know many of you have seen Indiana Jones in the last crew or the first one or whatever. And we see these pictures of this Ark of the Covenant. And you see the mercy seat, the cover. And this beautiful, this beautiful piece of furniture that contained three things. And I think it very interesting that the author would list what is in those. Number one, he lists a jar of manna. Now, if you remember, it was manna. That was given to them. He, God, his sustenance. God will always provide. He will always provide. But then you will see what's called Aaron's bud. Aaron's staff that budded. Now, this goes back to Korah's rebellion. You'll find this in the book of Numbers. You see, there were some people that began to grumble against Moses and the priesthood of Aaron. You remember the story? You don't grumble against God. But what happened that the people would see and not die is Moses would gather the staffs and put them in and put them down and Aaron's bloomed. Which goes to show that God has given a divine appointment that he alone can give and it did verify Aaron as the priest that he was called to be. God has spoken, be quiet people. God has the final authority. And it will be a reminder that what God has said, he means. Then you'll find the tablets of stone. A lot of you probably seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. The tablets of stone, which is God's holiness, his righteous law. And it is contained in this ark with a mercy seat in cherubim. Flaming cherubim. I cannot help but remember and go back to the, to the, the Garden of Eden. You see, when man broke his relationship with God, remember, we talk about this a lot. Man, all this is yours except one thing. Do not take of that. What did they do? They took of it. And the relationship with God was shattered. And he condemned us all. See, we're not just sinners because we willfully sin. We're born into it. We inherited it. Your inherited nature has made you that we naturally rebel against the Word of God. That relationship was broken with God. And He banned them from the garden. And He put flaming cherubim, if you will, there that guarded it with a flaming sword that said, you will not pass. You're not coming back. You're done. And I think about this because it goes back, listen to this, about the ark, what he says. It says in Exodus 25, 22, he's talking about the ark, between the cherubim and the ark. There I will meet you. And above the atoning cover from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you every commandment that I will give the sons of Israel. God's mighty presence. He would speak between the cherubim. But I want you to understand this very clearly. That high priest could only go to that place one time. 
one time a year where he would go and mediate and cover the sins of the people. I want you to think about this. As you're going through the outer court into the gate, that each step that you had to make as a Jew and as a priest was a step that was pointing to Jesus Christ. You see, their availability to God was very limited. It was limited. They did not measure up because the blood of goats and animals does not satisfy. The price must be paid. So Jesus Christ, in all His glory, humbled Himself, became a man on this earth who would die a perfect, sinless death for you and me. Not only was their access to God limited, but by the blood of Jesus Christ and the mediator, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have access to God. Amen? Do you realize that? Look what he said. You see, this is the part that gets me excited. You see, at the day of Yom Kippur, the high priest would put on this beautiful robe and he'd have these onyx stones on his shoulder with each of the tribes of Israel on his shoulder. Then he'd have a breastplate with 12 beautiful stones representing each tribe. Remember, we learned a while back that he bore, he bore the burden of the people of Israel on his heart and his shoulders. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ bore every one of us on the cross. And because of that, we have access to God. And let me tell you something. It may not excite you, but it does me. And I'm going to tell you why. As I read through this chapter, something kept popping in my mind. A hymn I used to sing when I was a child. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Why? 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 I'm unclean. I'm tore. I'm broken. But Jesus Christ, through God's grace and mercy, has made me clean, not on my work, but Christ's work on the cross. Do you have a relationship with Him today? Look what it says. He talks about the things that are in the ark that only the priest could enter one day or one day a year. And he says this, Now these things have been so prepared that the priest continually entering the outer tabernacle performing the divine worship. Listen to what he's saying. These priests work continually washing, sacrificing, cleansing, but let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. If you remember what we read a while back, that Jesus is sitting down at the right-hand side of God because the work is done. The price has been paid. The work is done. 
Now that doesn't mean that Jesus is not busy, remember? Because he's interceding. He's illuminating and he sustains. Brothers and sisters, I ask you today, am I able to call you brothers and sisters? Do you understand? Has it clicked? That the works of man don't measure up. Look what he says. Next verse, please. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself, for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. Not only does he have to intercede for the people, the great high priest did, but for himself because he's flawed. But Jesus Christ, the tabernacle that he dwells is untainted and not made by human hands. And because of Jesus Christ, we have been signed, sealed, and delivered by his work on the cross. Verse 8 says, the Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the, the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. What is it saying? What is the Holy Spirit signifying then? Well, well, two things. Number one, that the sacrificial system was temporary. It pointed us to Christ. The sacrificial system was temporary. But also the Holy Spirit reveals this, that it does not fully satisfy at all. It does not restore men. Only Christ can restore men. It says, according to both gifts and sacrifice are offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate to only food and drink and various washings and regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. You see, it's work. It is a work. It was a continual work. But let me give you this, and please understand, there is nothing that you can do to work to have a relationship with God. The work is done through Jesus. Not of anything that you've done. The work was done on the cross. The work is in the presence of God right now where He looks at you and because of His Son Jesus Christ, you're not guilty. Not by what you've done, but by what Christ done on the cross. You know, one of the things that amazed me is years ago, I got in trouble with my dogs. About 25 years ago, we had moved from Blue Ridge to, to Greer, and I had a few dogs, and one got out and barked at the mailman. These people give me five tickets up to $5,000. It was not a good time in my life. Yes, I'm a criminal. My dog got out, failed to keep her on her property, barked at the mailman, vicious dog, dogs bark. I don't know, it don't matter really. And I had to wait 32 days to go to court. Went by the credit union and said, give me all I can. <laughs> I'm going to make payment arrangements or I'm going to jail. I was tore up. Pastor in a church in Greenville at that time, and, you know, it was a bad thing. I never will forget that I had to wait through all these trials. And this was such an exciting time that all my family come to see this spectacle. We, we had the whole courtroom lined up. We got to see what's happening here. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm almost, 
subject ourselves to the governing authorities. I'm not doing that, please, okay? But listen, but listen, but listen. So I'm sitting here, my nerves are shot, and we're going through all this. All of a sudden, the judge says, what kind of cases we got next? They said, animal cases. He said, I'm taking a break. And he walks out. All of a sudden, a man walks over to me and says, you Chad Howard, right? I said, I am. He said, brother, you've been shown mercy. Your case is dismissed. Let me tell you something. That's what Jesus did for you. You have not got any leg to stand on in the presence of God. But Jesus Christ is standing there for you. Because yet in his mercy, God's mercy, Christ died for you. And because of your faith and trust in the person and the work of him, your case is dismissed. Amen? Look what he says. But when Christ, but when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things to come, he entered through a greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation. I want to close with a thought that I don't think I'm going to run a rabbit trail with, so please don't hear what I'm not saying. But I want everybody to understand clearly where I'm going with this. This place right here, my brothers and sisters, are no more holier than the people that make it up. The tabernacle is gone. Jesus Christ split the veil. Now that is not to say that we come here and thank God for this place to worship. Thank God he's given us a beautiful facility that we need to be good stewards of and take care of. And like I said, going to church doesn't make you more holier than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. It's not this that makes you holy. It's the person and work of Jesus Christ. Which means I don't own this. I have no right to claim anything. Which tells me that this place is not my God. I am thankful that He has given us the place to corporately worship. And we got places we can fill. He's given us comfort. He's given us accessibility. He's given us relationships. He's given us all kind of awesome opportunities to grow in love in this place. But God is not limited by these walls. You see, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not only are we the priesthood of believers, there are temples here. Church is not a building. 
it can be defined as one because it's the local gathering of people. The church is the people of God. And regardless if we met in this beautiful facility or if we met in a home, if we met in spirit and in truth to worship the Lord God Almighty and His Son Jesus Christ, that's church. So Chad, why do you bring this up? Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that just like this clicked with me, that everything in Scripture points to the person and work of Jesus Christ. The person in verse 5, what the furniture represents. The person of Jesus. In the next five verses, what Christ did. You see? Because of who He was, He did what He did. Because if He wasn't who He was, He couldn't do what He done. You see what I'm saying? So understand that if you're my brother and sister and you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we're the church. It's my prayer today, listen, that you are in right standing with the Lord God Almighty. Do you believe Christ is who he says he is? Because just like the priests, don't put your faith in men. They're flawed. They fail. And they will let you down. But you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who will never let you down and will save you. He will cleanse you and give a new nature. Because remember, that work on earth, he's still working in heaven where he intercedes, he sustains, and he illuminates. There's nothing more beautiful than knowing that I have as my Lord and Savior a guide that points me to the written word. I pray that you read it. I pray that you grow in it. But most of all, people, listen to me. I pray that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because none of this will make sense if you don't. So I ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself, like I said last week, if you were standing before our God and he says, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? What would you tell him? I love you. I love God's word. I love what he's done in my life. And I love knowing that at 52 years old, if today's my last day and I leave, I'm going to be in his presence. But I also know that 52 years, if he lets me live 20 to 30 more, that he'll always be with me. That's the sustenance found in Jesus Christ. But you don't have to live as though you have no hope. Christ has done done the work, people. Put your faith and trust in Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the price paid on Calvary. Lord, I can't think of how busy all of us are. And it got me thinking about the priest and his duties that never stopped. 
as he bore the burden of Israel upon his shoulders, continually making sacrifices, continually working, continually cleansing, over and over and over and over and over again that didn't measure up. But God, because of your son Jesus Christ, the price has been paid. The cleansing's been done. And your presence is among us for those that are saved. God, I pray today if there's one that does not have a relationship with you, that you convict their heart before it's eternally too late. God, I pray today for those that are born again believers that are struggling, that are that are there that are looking, that are that are trying, that are just seem to get beat up by Satan in every other direction that they go. The Lord, they have an understanding that you're still on the throne. And your sustaining power is enough. God, I pray today that the church voice would be louder than it ever has been. That, Lord, the world would see us not as a people that panic when we see things not going the way we think they should go, but a people that stand firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ that know regardless of what happens, you're still in control. God, you didn't promise any of us tomorrow. But the promise that you did place in us was to not let our hearts be troubled. For you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through you. And that promise is a fact, and that promise is assured. And that promise sustains us. Lord, I'm thankful to know that this world may take away everything that I have or own. It may take away my life. But it can't take away your son Jesus. God, I pray today that we'd gather a sense of excitement. That we'd focus on the person of Christ, the work of Christ. And Lord, if we would continue to read this word, continue to go back through it and see the price that was paid, and Lord, if we would just grasp and let it click, the Lord, to see how great, how great we would view our salvation. Lord, we thank you for what you do. We thank you for what you've done. And we thank you that your ministry was not a temporary one, but one that's eternal. We thank you for being active, that you've always been and will always be. And God, we thank you for the promises. We thank you for the place that you have prepared for us. But Lord, greater than anything, we thank you for the peace that we found because of the cross. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. All God's people said, stand and sing with us, please. Mm -hmm.